Next on BYU Sports Nation, road domination. BYU basketball does something they've never done before on that tourney train picking up steam. The last guy to record a BYU triple-double before Kyle Collinsworth joins us. Why Michael Smith has his eyes on Tyler Hobbs as well. Plus ESPN's Trevor Maddich on how the college football playoff produced the best thing ever. Booyah! Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Monday, Monday. BYU Sports Nation back to work on your radio, television, and other media machines presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. My name is Spencer Linton. I am teamed up with Mucinex's new poster boy, Jerem Jordan. I might be. I'm never taking it again. Man, that... I got BYU hammered last week. <laughs> I'm still feeling under the weather, but it's all good, man. It's all good. It's January 5th. It's the first day of school for the winter semester for BYU. Most call it spring. BYU calls it winter. It's also the first day of off-season conditioning for the BYU football team. There you go. New beginnings for sure. And speaking so of the new up. year, it's been a fantastic run for BYU athletics thus far. Yes, I know it's only January no 5th, yet. but still the Cougs don't go there. They're undefeated. In competition, two wins for the men's basketball oh my team. Gosh. Two wins for the women er, for the women's basketball team, and even Jimmer Fredette has turned the page in the new year. He's averaging eleven points a game his last three. Hey, what do you know? He gets some playing time and he gets buckets. How about what do you that? know? Yes. So thus far, twenty fifteen equals awesome. Five days. Wherever and however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. Join our BYU Sports Nation Twitter family using the hashtag BYUSN. The conversation continues Twitter family 24-7 with today's Twitter question. That's your cue. Early FHE, I guess. Thanks for letting me read this. You're welcome. Uh, what was the most impressive part of BYU's 99-68 win at San Francisco? Use the hashtag BYUSN. At Crazy Kook Fanatic. She's crazy. Kyle's third triple-double in four weeks. Especially given his return from injury, dude is balling out. It's true. The last nine games, Kyle Collinsworth has had three triple dubs. That's unbelievable. At the collegiate level, three triple doubles in a career is awesome. Yes. Let alone a month. The NBA, you have 48 minutes possible. College, just 40. So it's that much harder to do. Holy cow. Ton going on in BYU Sports Nation. Jerem just mentioned Kyle Collinsworth triple double. BYU basketball's RPI at number 29. Uh, according to the NCAA.com, that will be updated good. again later today. Stanford last night beat number 21-ranked Washington. Let's go, Cardinal. That will help BYU some more as they move forward. That win looking better and better. And fresh bracketology off the press from uh, Joe Lenardi of ESPN. He has BYU as the fifth to last team in. Wait, okay. make it sixth to last sixth team. Sixth to last team in. Were they? Did they even make the cut in his first bracketology? I don't think they did. Well, a couple weeks ago, they were one of the first teams out. Out, yeah. So they've climbed. They've, they've, climbed. they've done some really Winning. good work. Nick Emery, BYU basketball recruit, is home from his mission today. Of course, he had some health struggles, had to come home, went back out into the mission field, and will return uh, from his mission today. He will play power forward for the Cougars Thursday against Pepperdine. A lot of people Not. think that he can he can be the guy that has Jimmer range next here at BYU. Calm down. Like legitimate Jimmer range. Hey, let's just I didn't say nothing. Jimmer. I just said Jimmer I range. I know, I know, I know. BYU football offseason conditioning again starts today. So, uh, yeah, a ton happening as we turn the new year. About Nick Emery, full recovery expected, and he'll join the team uh, next season. 
That's the plan. That's Get him involved, news. man. That's great news. Get him involved. BYU in Sports Germany. Nation, as always, simulcast in beautiful radio vision on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trend. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic one. Complete and utter domination. BYU wins at San Francisco 99-68. Plus 31. Man. Wasn't our stat some point at some point last week that uh, BYU's average win at San Francisco was by like four points or yeah, something? Yes, the last three games they had played in reverse order, so recent to least recent, 7-4-1. They had been tough matchups. BYU had actually won the last matchup neutral court in Vegas. By uh, two. In overtime. And BYU explodes. To me, the best game BYU's played all season. There are about Saturday. ten reasons why this was the best game and most complete game BYU has played this season, we picked our top three, and it starts with defense. (laughs) Defense. Yeah, BYU's defense was on point against San Francisco. Everybody talking about the 99 points. Yeah, okay, we've, we've seen that before, and it was awesome, but their defense was really good. San Francisco has some size. Cruz Pinkins, Tollefson, they're big dudes. Yeah, Tollefson's 6'8". With like a 7-foot... 14 wingspan. That's not even humanly possible. But they are they are big and they're long. BYU, when they push the tempo on offense, creates a situation on defense where teams do not crash hard with two guys, two bigs. So BYU gets uh, defensively one one shot, and then they're up the court, and then they're getting buckets. The four-guard lineup is 3-0 with Anson Winder as the starter. It took a while to get Anson in the starting lineup, but now that he's there, BYU is playing really well and can play this way, to me, in every game but Gonzaga. Gonzaga has quality bigs. That's the only one that you probably can't go small in. BYU uh, has done a nice job defensively, particularly over the last two games. But I want to bring up a stat that was brought to our attention this morning, Jeremy, and that is BYU holding San Francisco to .7 points per possession. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, well, how do you really gauge that? What does that is, mean? Is that great? I can tell you this much. That is on par with the best defensive team in the country, the number one ranked and undefeated Kentucky Wildcats. Whose who's, uh, backups are ranked 13th in the country. Seriously, if not higher than that. But BYU's defense, our point is that San Francisco was not getting, a lot of the time, more than one look. And uh, the Cougars, they rebounded well, out-rebounded the Plus Dons. Plus 12 on boards. With this four-guard lineup, they played man-to-man, which they did not do last year. A lot. They played a ton of zone defense. They switched a ton on man. That was a different philosophy. Their zone, the yeah. zone defense without Nate Austin is rebounding effectively. Out-rebounded Portland and now San Francisco. Switching a ton of screens. Did they out-rebound Portland or was it just negative two? They were minus one against Only minus a one. team okay. that has three six eleven guys. That's good. That's great. That play a ton of minutes. Okay, so the defense, outstanding. The offense led by... An, a, just a barrage of three-point shooting. 15 made three-pointers again for this team this season. That's remarkable. And then you look at the percentage, Jerem. 15 for 28, 53%. You're not going to lose any game. Yeah, BYU played great on offense. Anytime you score 99. BYU, the number one scoring team in the country. Here's the key to BYU's offense. Making shots early. You can see how confident this team is. That's the hot buzzword with Dave Rose and his team is confidence. BYU made a couple shots early, and man, it was awesome. Multiple makes from four different dudes from distance, including Jake Toulson, three threes, of course, Chase Fisher, six three-pointers, Tyler Hawes in the mix, Anson Winder in the mix. It was great. The, when BYU makes threes and gets out in transition, it's tough to beat them. It really is. 
I enjoy Rex Walters. His personality, I think, is, is I really fun, and he wears his emotions on his sleeve. You know exactly what he's thinking. There were a couple of shots of him on Saturday night where he just was like leaned, <laughs> up, against, leaned up against the back of his seat just like, uh, it doesn't matter what we try. Like, <laughs> he can when, appreciate a made three. When they are shooting this well, like you cannot beat them. And he said after the game, Tyler Haas shoots it like a pro. Chase Fisher shoots it like a pro. He would know because he, he was, was a pro. A pro. Yeah. That was, that was big-time offense from BYU. And that's great because BYU is very confident right now. I think they think we can run through conference and beat everyone, and then we go to the kennel at Gonzaga and see what happens. If BYU can shoot 40-plus percent from the three-point line at the kennel, they have a shot. And guess what? They have a shot. There's a chance BYU can win the regular season championship if Gonzaga lost multiple games against non-BYUs. I don't know that they lose, though. But if they did... There's a chance. You never know. There's, There's always those weird games. Okay, Gonzaga. I'm telling you, Gonzaga at one point this season in conference will have a game where they struggle, and the team they're playing against on the road is going to shoot the ball well. They will have to grind they, out a win. Yeah. Will they lose in conference? So that's the thing. If BYU only loses, let's say, twice in conference, does that mean Gonzaga doesn't lose at all? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably. We'll see. There, stuff happens, man. That's why we play the game. It's fun. That's why Ohio State played Alabama and beat them. Man, the four, guard, happens. the four guard lineup for BYU basketball, by the way, genius move by Dave Rose, which is producing this accelerated offense. The great three point shooting. Anson Winder has Where's been playing the bench out scoring? of his mind. Who, Who cares? cares? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter. BYU scores. I'm, I still can't get over how good BYU's guards are because they're scoring with no post contribution. I say no, like very little from not, not just a back to the back score, but points, period. From Kafusi, Nielsen, Worthington, and company. When it's you're making amazing. 15 threes, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. It eliminates the need for that. And that's, I mean, just being frank. And that's what the third or fourth time BYU's made 15 plus threes this year? That's ridiculous. And that's an element that was missing last year. That's why BYU's the leading team in the country in scoring as opposed to, say, fifth or sixth. They're going next level because they're making threes. Yes. And they have to make more threes in the big games to get over the hump. Can BYU sustain the four-guard lineup? Hey, so far, so good. Why does it work? Kyle Collinsworth, great rebounder. Anson Winder, top defender. And you get triple doubles from Kyle Collinsworth, which is the third reason why this is the best, most complete game for BYU this season. Because you had an outstanding individual performance again from Kyle Collinsworth. Three triple doubles now. We've already talked about why that's unbelievable, but uh, I mean, the social media interaction when everybody thought he needed one assist to get the triple-double, and then all of a sudden he was credited with it was, He assisted was Chase Fisher on a three and wasn't given the assist. It was awesome! And so luckily that was corrected. I don't know how much social media or the TV broadcast played into that, but whatever. It, it happened. Kyle Chilton, whoever, BYU Sports Information Director, nice work. Let's put in context what he did. Before Kyle Collinsworth this season, BYU had had a triple-double in a game four times. We're going to talk to the guy that had the last triple-double, Michael Smith, coming up on the show. The NCAA single-season record is four. Kyle has three. The NCAA career record is six. Kyle Collinsworth could do that. He could do that. That's crazy. Three in one month. Here's the practical use of that. He's rebounding the ball really well. He's asked to do a lot as a point guard, not to mention the assist. Tennis, this is great. That means the offense is working the way it should. BYU, when they're good, is not an individual offense. They are a team offense, moving the ball, getting good looks. The most complete game of the season, one, because BYU's team defense 
was the best it's been. 53% from the three-point line, and Kyle Collinsworth records his third triple-double. They win. They win back-to-back games in dominating fashion. For the first time since 2010, but those games were at home against Chicago State and the Mississippi Truck Driving School. <laughs> I sidelined both of those, I remember. Or them something well. like that. Okay, <laughs> so they dominated a couple teams at home, but, but on the road, this is unique territory for BYU, and that brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Holler! BYU won back to back road games by 30 plus for the first time ever. For the first time ever. They've never won back-to-back road games by 30-plus. Not on this or any other planet. Tell you what, man, that's a juicy stat of the day. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that is that is fantastic. By the way, Lenardi has BYU as a 10 seed opening up against Colorado State, a 7 seed, in Portland! It's because their RPI is sub-30 now, 29. It was in the 40s like a week and a half ago. All things have now shaken out very well for BYU. If BYU goes on a crazy run at the end. They have a shot at a single-digit seed at this point because they have style points. I'm telling you, when you style, style points matter. How about Bronco that? Mendenhall, style points matter, dude. What was the most impressive part of BYU's 99-68 win at USF? Let's go to the Twitter machine. It's Twitter time. At PWNR1019, that even the second and third stringers were contributing, not just sitting there, not to mention the triple-double. Yeah, the triple-double is going to steal some headlines. There. Nice. At Kev Basketball, Kyle's triple-double. Needs one more this season to tie the NCAA record for triple-doubles in a season and two to break the record. It's very impressive. Last year, he guaranteed to us that he'd get one. He did not. He's making up for that this year. And then some. We'll talk more hoops at the bottom of the hour with former BYU great Michael Smith. But next, it's another Maddich Monday. Why the college football playoff is awesome. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Follow the show on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. Thursday, take a nap in the afternoon because BYU Men's Hoops is playing Pepperdine at 11 Eastern time. That's on ESPNU and BYU Radio. Nothing like late night basketball. It's fun, but on a weeknight, that's not ideal. Hey, I'll take it anytime. You know what? We still have okay. to wake up early, but I'll still take it any time. Yeah. What was the most impressive part of BYU basketball's 99-68 win against San Francisco? Use the hashtag BYUSN. Joining us now for another Maddich Monday is ESPN college football expert and analyst and former BYU national champion Trevor Maddich. Trevor, we're, en- we're getting close to the end of the college football season, but uh, not without some drama for sure. Uh, just your initial thoughts on the first ever college football playoff. Fantastic. I mean, fantastic. And the, the best thing about it is the principle of it. That if this were the BCS, it would most likely have been one loss SEC champ Alabama against undefeated defending champ Florida State in the BCS championship game. And, and Oregon and Ohio State would have probably played in the Rose Bowl. Uh, and we would be wondering whether or not even one of those might be the best team. Just like we're wondering now if TCU might be the best team, but at least we're wondering now with TCU, you know, about four teams instead of just two. So the fact that the two teams that would not have made the final anyway are in the final now, and the two teams that would have been in the final didn't make it to the final, I think validate the concept of the playoff. Who had the more impressive win, Oregon or Ohio State? One was over the best team and one was a blowout. Yeah, I think that Ohio State had the best win. I mean, think about this. The, 
uh, a Big Ten champion, went down and played mighty Alabama with their third-string quarterback and beat them. Now, that's fantastic. Yeah. And so I think that, that, that alone uh, will go down in history as one of the all-timers of a coaching and playing performance. So with Cardell Jones in Ohio State as the third-string quarterback, they've knocked off Alabama. They beat Wisconsin 59-zip in the Big Ten Championship. What kind of a chance do you give the Buckeyes against Oregon in Dallas? They actually have a good chance. I mean, if you start on defense, the Ohio State defense is actually a better matchup for the Oregon offense than Alabama's was. Alabama is a, a big powerful bunch of guys in the front seven, but they're not overly fast. You've got Ohio State that's smaller in the front seven, much more athletic, much more nimble, better able to handle that kind of an offense. And then on the other side of the ball, you've got a powerful offensive line, and that's what you need to start with because Oregon will attack you. And if your offensive line can't handle that attack, then you have other trouble. So I think it's, it's pretty good. You still have the same problem, though, as you had against Alabama, and that is you've got a, a, a rookie quarterback playing for the third time in his life as a starter against the Heisman Trophy winner quarterback. And the question is, can he do it three times in a row? And if he can, Ohio State has a very good chance to, to win this game. Trevor, how validated do you feel that Florida State lost to Oregon? I don't really feel validated. You know, I, all year long, Florida State Twitter has been all over me <laughs> because I haven't put them at number one. As a matter of fact, it's not high enough for them to – put Florida State at number one. You have to put them at, like, .7. You know, number one's too low of a number for them. They're upset about that. I had Florida State at number four in my final poll, but I had them as low as number seven uh, over the course of the regular season because they were basically a, a one-trick pony, where quarterback Jameis Winston throwing to Rashad Green and then to tight end Nick O'Leary, all three of them will be in the NFL, was all that they had. And as time went on, they improved their offensive line, Young playmakers started to emerge on offense, and they became a better team. So I don't see myself as validated that Florida State lost because I didn't see them as being that high. I just think that the right thing happened, and I think that, that Florida State you know, has a lot of talent. They made it to the Final Four, and they deserve tremendous credit for that because of losing as many guys as they did to the NFL. We talked about the talent that they have this year, but a lot of it is very young and they still have yet to replace a lot of the leadership, especially on defense, that went to the league in this last draft. ESPN's Trevor Maddich with us on BYU Sports Nation. Another Maddich Monday. Trevor, aside from Oregon and Ohio State, every other Division I college football team now has officially entered the offseason, if you will. What's the conditioning mentality for a team like BYU and for all the rest of the teams that uh, are now done with their bowl games and are getting ready for the next season? Well, coaches want to start yesterday and start hammering it hard, and that's the worst thing you could possibly do. Players need a chance to rejuvenate physically, but even more than that, rejuvenate mentally. College football season is long. There's a lot of pressure. It's just it's a grind, and you need a chance to just get away from it. You don't, you don't stop working out because you want to maintain a certain minimum base of conditioning and strength, but the players need to get away not just from the game, but from the coaches and from each other. So that's, that's a good thing. But then as you roll into you know, late January and you get into uh, February, now you start to just pick it back up. And I think the most important thing to do, and the best, what the best programs do, is to erase memory of the previous season. 
and to think about next year. Have everything focused on the positive of what you want for this upcoming season. And BYU has a lot of positive things to build towards and some very clear areas of improvement that they are fully capable of making. We've talked before about how the offensive line improved uh, from the year before to this last year. They've got to improve again, and they know how to do it. They just need to, to go to the effort to do it. So as they go into the offseason, it's important to not, to not think about last year so much. Think about tomorrow. It is not anticipated that Taysom Hill will participate in spring ball due to recovery for his broken fibula. As of now, it appears that McCoy Hill, uh, who didn't take any meaningful reps in the fall and isn't necessarily in the future plans as a starter, would take all the reps at number one in spring, Trevor. Is that an issue for BYU going into 2015 at all? Yes, it would be an issue for anybody because you've got chemistry and timing that get built during spring training. You learn about how teammates will respond to the starting quarterback. And if it's Taysom Hill next year, and I certainly hope it is, uh, the only reason it wouldn't be would be health reasons, then you've got to evaluate the players that would be playing around him. How are the running backs, the receivers, the timing of the offensive line, all those things with Taysom pulling the trigger? And they'll just have to sort of speculate at that and go generic without Taysom in there. They'll get a pretty good idea. But there are things that you learn once you put people together. It's like a band where you have a pretty good guitar player, you have a pretty good bass player, but you put them together and all of a sudden magic happens because of their chemistry. And these are things that they will not be able to see as much as they would like during spring because Taysom probably won't be playing. What kind of a transition do you expect uh, once Taysom does get healthy? And, and do you think that BYU will be ready to go uh, in early September if Taysom isn't able to participate in spring ball? Yeah, they will. One of the advantages of, of knowing Taysom is, uh, is still not out of the woods is that they'll have to get people ready. And another part of the, the thing is that leadership in the locker room knows that they'll need to get ready because when Taysom went out, you know, they, they lost four straight games. And they were good enough to pull a couple of those games out of the fire. Uh, but they didn't get it done in part because they just weren't together enough, not from a standpoint of camaraderie, but from a standpoint of kind of knowing how to work in this new paradigm. Well, that takes them there in spring and possibly even the start of summer they will be working and practicing in the paradigm that they will need to win with. And that makes a tremendous difference. What kind of goals do you think BYU should have uh, prior to spring uh, in terms of off-season conditioning, especially right now where Jay Omer uh, retired and they don't have a strength and conditioning coach? Well, it, they're going to have to you know, continue on the go-fast, go-hard process. You know, talking to, to Jay and to Robert and I and to Bronco Mendenhall, um, over the course of last off season, you know, they mentioned that they've had to completely change the way that they condition. In other words, instead of conditioning for traditional football, which is burst and rest, burst and rest, they're conditioning now more like Australian rules football, which is sprint, jog, sprint, jog, and, and never stop. The idea there is not to be able to gear up for one big maximum 100% effort in a play and then take a breath for 30 seconds while the other team huddles or while you huddle, and then, take, and then do it again. The idea is to be able to be at 80 to 85% starting in the first quarter and then continuing all the way through to the fourth quarter because sometime in the third quarter that other team will drop below 80 85%, and now you're going to have the advantage. So that's the kind of conditioning that they will do, assuming that they go forth with the go fast, go hard, which I think is still a good idea. Would you have thrived in that offense? No. Actually, yeah, <laughs> you know, I think I would have. And the, the reason is that uh, my – I was, a, I was never the biggest, strongest guy on the block. 
I was always the guy that, that would try to outthink you, and I was about quickness and leverage and technique. And so the go fast, go hard is perfect for that kind of a style. And the truth of it is, the way you run the read option and things like that, you know, you don't need to necessarily crush people, blow them off the ball. It's nice if you can, but you don't need to. You need to fit correctly. You need to have the right foot placement, the right leverage, and then just sustain. And if you can do that, that's, that's good enough to make the whole thing work. ESPN College Football Insider and Analyst Trevor Maddich on BYU Sports Nation for Maddich Monday. Trevor, you talked about BYU needing to forget the season, any team for that matter, forget about last season and move forward. However, coaches are always going to look back at the previous season and say, well, what could we have done better? What's the number one lesson that, that we need to learn moving forward? You've talked about the offensive line. What is the number one lesson that BYU needs to take from the previous season and utilize in 2015 to become a next-level Division I college football team? Well, I think they need to make sure that their pass rush is squared away. You know, they had some of their key pass rushers injured uh, at various times during the season, and that was a problem, and they didn't have an answer to that. They weren't able to get rushed from their defensive linemen. We're talking linebackers now that we're getting there. And then when they got injuries in the secondary, that really became a problem because now they weren't able to cover as well. They weren't able to cover as many receivers well when the offense spread it out and went to four or five wides. So I think uh, being able to generate a pass rush from the big guys with their hand in the dirt is a big priority to be able to develop this offseason and to be able to recruit to. Trevor, great to have you with us. Uh, enjoy the national championship game a week from today. We'll talk to you before that again, and uh, we exhort you to have your predictions ready when we come asking you next week. You've got a week to think about it, so have it ready in a week. Okay, I stand ready to be exhorted. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, guys. BYU will not be with Taysom Hill most likely in spring football, but you better believe, you better believe that he will be ready for Lincoln, Nebraska. Countdown to the Cornhuskers. 243. Eight months. January 5th to September 5th. Exactly eight months. You know what? It goes faster because there are Does a bunch it? of other things going off on like through May. It's the summer months through where we're like, oh. Yeah, because you have baseball and some other things happening still. It's just all slow, man. Eight months. <laughs> eight Two more months. Eight three. Up next, Michael Smith joins us. And now, back to more BYU Sports Nation. The show rolls on on a Monday. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan broadcasting in crystal clear radio vision on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. You can download the show podcast on iTunes or at BYUSportsNation.com. Hey, busy week uh, this week. Hoops Thursday and Saturday. In between that, Friday night, gymnastics on BYU TV makes a season debut against Utah. Always a great match. 9 Eastern time, BYU TV. Spencer Linton on the call there. Bring on the youths. It's yeah. fun. Like, they're really good. Obviously, they'll win the, the meet, you know, whatever. But BYU always plays well, competes well in gymnastics. That's great. Yeah, I love basketball and football, no question. The, the king for me. But gymnastics is really entertaining to watch. Try it out. Incredible if you watched, athletes. Try it out. Incredible athletes. Also incredible, Kyle Collinsworth. Three triple doubles in four weeks' time. I have that as unbelievable, actually, in my own personal dictionary. And then there's Tyler Hawes, who is quietly climbing the all-time scoring list. 
On his way to making BYU basketball history, Tyler Hawes is Chasing Jimmer on BYU Sports Nation. 289. Tyler Hawes only 289 points away from becoming the number one scorer in the history of BYU basketball. Needs to average 20.6 the last regular the last 14 regular season games. Needs nine points to pass the BYU all-time great Michael Smith. And speaking of Michael Smith, he joins us now live on BYU Sports Nation. Michael, what do you think about Tyler Hawes chasing you down? Well, first of all, good morning, guys. I'm kind of bummed we didn't have a show like this when I was in college because <laughs> it would have been a blast. Absolutely. And a uh, little-known fact, I used to go to those gymnastic meets when I was at BYU, I was dating a girl on the gymnastics team, and the youths back then were number one in the land, too. So they've always had a great program. Yeah, those are, fan- those are fantastic meets to watch. Those athletes are crazy good. Oh, my gosh, so much fun. Now, Tyler Haas, uh, just nine points away from passing you, what, what is that like <laughs> to be in that position where, hey, you know, I scored X amount, and here comes a, n- a new guy behind me? The, the, the cool thing is, is I, I live in a ward in uh, Southern California where half of them have no clue that I even played basketball, which is kind of, I mean, which is kind of cool. I mean, I'm 50 in May, so, you know, and don't, don't even get me started on the demographics of my ward, but there's like 110 high priests and there's only five elders. So, you know, we got, you know, the guys that are 60 and 70 and 80. And so the fact that people are talking about Tyler Hawes passing me is a good thing because I walk into church and people say, hey, uh, I heard about you the other day. Some guy's going to pass you. I didn't realize you played. And I said, well, yeah, you know, back in the day, (laughs) a little bit. I couldn't be more thrilled for Tyler. I mean, he's a return missionary, which warms my heart. And I have three sons on missions right now. So to have somebody like that who's done it, you know, that way, choosing the Lord first and then, and then go on to pass me, I mean, he's clearly going to pass me. He's got 14 games left. And I think if he averages the 20 you're talking about, he's going to pass Jimmer yeah. in, a, in about four fewer games than Jimmer. So what I think is super cool, I think I was the only guy to average like over 20 three years in a row, and Tyler is about to do that. So this is it's pretty amazing. So he's over 20 a game from his sophomore year on. That's just steady growth and consistency, and I'm thrilled for him. I mean, I played with his dad. Uh, Marty averaged, I think, about 14 my senior year, which was his junior year, and then uh, he went on to like 18 or 19 his senior year, and he was a thrill to play with one of my very best friends from my days there at BYU. We were just looking at some of those highlights from your career, Michael. and uh, Those shorts were great. The, yeah, they, they, are, they are real. It's, it's fantastic. Do you, do, you like the fa- <laughs> do you like how fashion has changed in basketball now, or do you feel like guys should go back to the short shorts? Uh, you know what? It, it, that all happened between like my junior and senior year, I, I remember our old equipment manager, Floyd Johnson, giving you know, us the new, the new uniforms our senior year, and they were baggy tops. And, you know, I wasn't the most muscularly built guy, so, I mean, the big baggy top and the, the longer shorts, I was like, what the heck are these? <laughs> they, I was just, like, swallowed up in this uniform. I wanted something a little smaller, so it looked like I had some guns. Um... And I don't know if you remember way back when, but I kind of like, 
I, I was all into making the uniform my own special thing anyway. I put like a blue drawstring in my shorts and let it hang out, and I wore my blue <laughs> knee braces. And Anyway, um, who knows? I mean, you know, the uniforms are what they are, and uh, I can't even imagine. The one thing I do not like is the fact that girls in girls' basketball wear long, baggy shorts. That's kind of like, anyway. Don't get me started, but uh, they, they, they are what they are. I think the women should be as feminine as possible, and so and I don't like them emulating or copying the men's style of the uniforms. Basketball style 101 with yeah. Michael Smith. Kyle Collinsworth <laughs> uh, had his third triple-double on Saturday in the last nine games. The last time that a BYU player had a triple-double was you. Uh, what do you remember from your last triple-double? Or your triple-double at all? I think it was a game against Colorado State, and I think my final assist came in a game where we were maybe up eight or ten, so it wasn't like it was contested at the end, but I was in the game till the very end, and I think I either grabbed a rebound or after a made basket, stepped out of bounds and threw a length of the court pass to uh, Jeff Chapman, who dunked at the buzzer, so that was like the tenth assist oh, wow. to get the triple-double, but... Here's the thing. Triple-doubles in the pros are obviously very rare. And you have those guys who did it a bunch, the Magic Johnson and the Jason Kidd, and those guys topped the charts forever. Um, in college, it's darn near impossible. I mean, they, they, just don't, they just don't give you any leeway on an assist unless the rules and the criteria are starting to change. But I remember back in the day, if the shot, if the pass did not lead like almost to a layup, they didn't give you an assist. In the NBA, there's a little bit of, uh, I guess, call it spirit of the law kind of thing. So if a guy gets a beautiful pass and takes a dribble on his way to a dunk, it's still an assist. In college, the rules are like really way more strict. And so the fact that this guy, Collinsworth, done three in nine games and we hadn't had one in almost you know, 40 years or 30 years, that's crazy. So he must be doing something right. Congrats to him. Michael Smith, former BYU basketball All-American and great, now the color analyst for the Los Angeles Clippers on TV, joining BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk about uh, the prospects of, of Kyle and Tyler potentially playing in the NBA. I know that they're, they're on radars for sure, but they're not your prototypical, hey, we're going to go draft those guys in the first two rounds just because – they're, they're a little bit unique, and they might have some differing challenges compared to some of the other high-profile NBA recruits. But what do you think about those two and their prospects of playing in the NBA? Um, I have to be honest on Collinsworth. I don't, know, I don't know him that well. I don't know his game that well. So for me to, for me to speak intelligently about you know, his NBA potential, uh, I, I think would be unfair to him. I know he's big. I know he's got good size. I've only seen him play maybe twice in my life. So that's, that's probably unfair. I think I know Tyler's game much better just from knowing his dad and kind of the, I think the games I have watched, I've focused more on his game. Um, but I will say this, when you jump up to the next level, and it certainly affected me, uh, speed is such a factor. So you just don't realize how fast the guys are and how fast the game becomes. And so you have to develop a definable skill 
and it's got to be a part of you, and you have to sell it the moment you get there. It's so important the first year or two that you become established in your mind and everybody else's mind that you belong. And so, like in the case of me, I played behind three Hall of Famers in Bird, McHale, and Paris, and what I thought was a perfect situation ended up being a little bit to my demise or worked against me in my career because they didn't play a whole lot. And so nobody would have played a whole lot behind those guys. And, and back when we played, those guys wanted to play all 48 minutes. It's different today. Today's NBA player wants to rest, and there's all this thought about, oh, let's not log too many minutes. Oh, my gosh, he's playing more than 32 minutes. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? He's 24 years old. <laughs> let, let the guy play 45 minutes. You know, you only need to watch minutes when a guy's up near, you know, 33 and, you know, he's starting to, you know, Kobe-like age. And, you know, then you would watch minutes or like Popovich does with his old aging spurs. But so they have to get established right away. So the sooner they can develop a definable trait, the better for them. I don't know how high they'll be picked. I'm sure Tyler will be drafted uh, based on his skill set, his intelligence, his, his, uh, his grit, his hard work. I mean, you can just tell that you know, the, the guy's going to become good at whatever he does in life. And if it's the NBA for 10 years, what a great start to uh, you know, a career. But it doesn't last beyond that. And it's hard to fathom that when you're that age. I mean, even I at that age is like, oh, I'm going to play for 10, 12 years. And you know, that I couldn't see beyond basketball when you're in the middle of it. But what I love about Tyler is I think he's realized already that at his size, 6'5", he's not going to be a small forward in the NBA. So he's really worked on all last summer his three-point shot, and he's improved his percentages greatly. That has to become his calling card. Now, I'm not saying he has to sit out on the floor and just shoot threes because he's got a scorer's mentality, and he's got much more game than, than say, you know, just a spot-up shooter in the NBA. But size rules in the NBA. And so guys at his position, which is going to be a shooting guard, because I don't think he's a point guard, um, are his size or taller, and his size or faster, or his size and longer. So I look at like a Kyle Korver, who the Clippers play the Hawks tonight, so I'm like very much aware of Kyle Korver's stats and what he's done. There's only... Uh, 14 guys who've made more threes than Kyle Korver right now in NBA history. But none of the 14 have shot a higher percentage, and it's not even close. So arguably, he's the best shooter, three-point shooter in NBA history currently until Steph Curry passes him because Steph Curry's making him at a rate that's unbelievable yeah. and shooting the same percentage. But Korver has – he's – created a definable skill, and here he is at age 33, still playing. He was a second-round pick. He was the 53rd pick in the draft after a great college career at Creighton. But six foot seven, not fast enough, you know, to be a star in the NBA, not long enough, but worked at it. And that's kind of how I envision, you know, Tyler becoming like an NBA two guard and probably starting as a backup and then becoming a starter based on how well he develops that three-point shot. And the only thing keeping him from becoming great or the best at an NBA three-point shot is his own abilities and his own time. And, and based on his career path, why not? Sure. He, I mean, he should look at it and say, why not? 
Michael, give us an update on uh, some of your kids playing college sports. I know uh, Maddie Zeering-Smith on the BYU women's basketball team. You had a son that played for Long Beach State men's volleyball. Your dad came up to me before a match like two years ago and said, Hey, I'm Michael Smith's dad. Our grandson's in there. I was like, what? No one told me this. (laughs) Okay, so um, I'm married twice. I had five from my first marriage. I married a a non-member gal from New York the second time around. That's like 11 years ago. And she had three little children. Uh, they were like two, three, and four when I came into their life, and we've adopted them. And so we have my five originally and our three together, and we've had two together. So we have ten children total. Um, she's since joined the church. All the kids joined the church, and we've all been sealed together. It's just been, I mean, a marvelous process through life. And... I should write a book someday. But <laughs> I have my oldest boy playing professional volleyball. So he's playing in Czechoslovakia. So he was three years the captain at Long Beach State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have three sons on missions. So one of those boys, Karch, played uh, his freshman year of volleyball at BYU. You named a volleyball player Karch. Nice. Uh, you know, it's funny. All my first five children were K first names. <laughs> After my mom, my mom is K. Marie Smith, so they all had KMS names, um, uh, except my youngest, Sandin. So he's Kyle Sandin, but he also is a volleyball player. He's on a mission, too. So Karch is 6'4". He's a setter. He'll be back in May. Kyle Sandin is 6'3". He's a setter. He's in the Marshall Islands. He'll be back in July. Uh, Matthew played football in high school. He's now in Bolivia. So I got three out at once, which is crazy. Which has to be close to a record. That is wild. But I bet four. I bet four is a record. Uh, Maddie's a freshman, a redshirt freshman on the girls' team. She's a five foot four point guard. Uh, I have a senior down here, a junior down here, cheerleader. I have a senior left-handed six foot two setter, Kendall. She wants to go to BYU and play volleyball. She's a very highly skilled. Girls volleyball player, um, and then my two probably most talented are my seven-year-old twins. <laughs> there you and go. Their boy, their, their boy girl, and I know I'm sounding like the proudest dad in the world right now, but well. um, they are at age seven, the California eight and under ballroom dance champions of Southern California. Look at that, champions. <laughs> <laughs> And they and they mix in a little basketball, so nice. The pedigree is in, is in good shape. Well, that that's an unbelievable uh, volleyball heavy, I guess, uh, I line of kids. But hey, you know if it's athletics and uh, it's in the blood. And, and Michael, we're certainly great to talk. Uh, excited to talk to you about everything that's going on in your life. And uh, keep an eye on the Cougs. They're getting some love uh, now in the AP poll and. Projected as the number 10 seed in the latest bracketology, so BYU basketball, all things looking up. I know, right? Just a couple of OT losses to, what, San Diego State and Purdue? Otherwise, they'd be sitting there 15-2. and two. Yeah, They better atone for that loss to the Utes, though. That's the only one that bothers me. Yeah. It bothers You're a lot us. of people. <laughs> You're telling us. <laughs> I know they're averaging, you know, 90 points a game or whatever, and they scored 61 that game, so they got to... They got to rectify that one, but I'm thrilled, you know, for the school to be doing so well, and and uh, thrilled for you know my teammate Marty and his boy Tyler to be doing so well. My my best buddies from those days are 
all doing so well in life. Devin Durant was my idol. You know, he was a senior when I was a freshman, and he's been a mission president. And my best buddy today is Danny Ains, and he's been a bishop and president of the Celtics. And Brian Taylor was my dear friend when I was there. He's now a mission president in Dallas. So guys are doing so well. I'm so proud of them. Hey, Mike, great to talk to you and to reminisce with you. Have a good call tonight uh, for the Clippers and Hawks game. We'll talk to you again in the near future. Thank you for having me on. Thanks, Michael. As I mentioned, this week's AP Hoops poll is out. (coughs) BYU getting some love. It's been a while since that has happened. Probably Jimmer, right? It's been a while. I don't know. How much love? We'll tell you next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Station presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Studio B. What are you going to say next? Thursday night, men's hoops versus Pepperdine, 11 Eastern time. That's at night, not in the morning. Uh, listen to it on BYU Radio. Watch it on ESPN U. What's with these 9 p.m. tips? And you know what? Well, one was on San Francisco was, you know, Pacific time zone. But, yeah, mountain time zone, 9 p.m. Oof. Late night hoops. I'm, I have to take a nap. I'm getting old. I will take a nap. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a real thing. Our Twitter to question three. today is, what was the most impressive part of BYU's 99-68 win against San Francisco on Saturday night? Jeremy and I have discussed a number of things. Isaac Nielsen's uh, shot. S- stop it. At Chad underscore F14 says this. One, Kyle Collinsworth has a triple-double. You. Yeah. Two, BYU's onslaught of threes led by Chase Fisher, who yeah. had six. Tyler Haas and what he does best score. Tyler had 22. Your big guns all showed up to play. Oh, by the way, Anson Winder. Didn't he have like 17 points at the half? Yes, he was killing it. I think that uh, Tyler Haas goes underappreciated, and he will when he leaves BYU. The guy is so consistent. We've talked about like Anson Winder, the most consistent. No, no, no. It's Tyler Haas. Tyler Haas is so consistent, and it's fun to watch. Appreciate it. You only have... What, 14 regular season games left with Tyler? And we mentioned 20.6 a game will get him to pass Jimmer in the kennel. I hope he passes Jimmer at home. I that hope he has be, a 30, fantastic. a yeah. high 20 someday. Because if he does it on the road, it's just not the same, right? But that will be quite the moment. He's going to do it. If BYU keeps winning, they just might become a top 25 team this season. They haven't been in the top 25, I believe. Since 1974. Since Jimmer Fredette's senior season. And so it's been a few years, but the Cougars, look at this. I mean, at, at 13-4, and four, they are receiving some votes in the AP poll on the latest that was just released, <coughs> BYU getting three votes, which is three more than they had last week and three more than they've had the entire season. BYU is number 43 in the country. Number 43! I, I always love when people do that. It's like, no, you're not ranked 43rd. They're 43rd by votes, but it's the top 25 right. for a reason, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I, I don't really see BYU getting into the top 25 this season. Maybe. If, if, they, go they, a... if they are undefeated in conference play until they get to Gonzaga, you don't see them getting into the top 25? Maybe. I don't know. It's like 13 more games. That would make them 26-4. and four. We'll see. Okay. If I, BYU... I, I, like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just, if they do, great. I, I just don't see it. Yeah. Top three, Kentucky, Duke, Virginia, not. by the way. Gonzaga, number six. Utah, Inside the top ten now, Utah's at good. number nine. Utah's really good, and it's a bummer that BYU played these teams close but didn't get a win because they're good. Got to beat the big boys. Except Purdue, Purdue, they stink. What's up with let's, that? Let's not talk about that. The RPI sub thirty, BYU projected as a ten seed. Purdue lost. Choo choo, baby. Purdue lost to North Florida. The whip round hits next. <laughs> 
North Florida, the Ospreys. BYU Sports Nation presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. I need more cowbell. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. Brigham pounded San Francisco 99-68 Saturday, led by Kyle Collingsworth. Stop it. Third triple-double of the season. Tyler Haas scored 22, and Chase Fisher added 20, thanks to six three-pointers. Cougars now prepare for Pepperdine Thursday night. Also, Nick Emery returned home from his mission today, and ESPN's Joe Lenardi has BYU as a 10 seed in his latest bracketology. Football. The offseason officially begins today for Cougar football. 243 days away from Lincoln, Nebraska. The Cougars still need to replace the retired strength and conditioning coach Jay Omer as BYU prepares for spring practice in March. Who's going to be the quarterback? Cougars in the NFL. Someone named Hill. Ziggy Ansah, Kyle Vanoy, the Detroit Lions. Lost to the Cowboys. Ziggy had two tackles to sack and four QB hurries. Cougars in the association. Jimmer Fredette has scored 33 points over his last three games for the New Orleans Pelicans. He's played 21-plus minutes the last three games as well. Hey, an average of 11. I'll take it. Tonight, New Orleans hosts Washington on NBA TV, but Eric Gordon, a big-time shooting guard, returns to the lineup for New Orleans. Women's basketball. Morgan not thorough Bailey scored 26 points as the Cougars beat San Francisco 65-62 Saturday. Lexi Eaton leveraged the karma for 18 points. BYU plays at LMU Thursday. Future guests include Jeff Judkins. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter. Help when you need the most DexterLaw.com. This one's easy. It goes to a groundbreaking journalist in sports broadcasting, Stuart Scott. Just an outpouring of love for that guy and what he did. Yeah, I was sad to hear uh, that he had passed away, but man, it was fun to watch SportsCenter when he was on it. Absolutely. Thanks to Michael Smith, Trevor Maddich, and everyone on our crew. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BYU Sports Nation. The show on demand on BYUtv.org slash BYUSN and BYUsportsNation.com. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Belmont Anderson. Yeah, oh, yeah, he was a classic guard in the 70s. BYU, BYU Sports Station back at it tomorrow at noon Eastern. Win, baby!